Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fairview Family Ministry Podcast. I'm John, and on today's episode, I have guest Matt Hawkins with us to talk about, well, something controversial, politics. That's right. I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk too much about politics, but general principles that we can apply in our lives and really focusing on how do we equip our kids to have conversations with people who think differently than them. I think one of the parts that we uh, cover in our conversation is being resilient disciples, those that stand their ground, have their convictions, but also speak in a winsome way and remembering to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And uh, yeah, if you can, by the way, wherever you're listening to this podcast, leave us a review. That would be super duper helpful as we reach not only Fairview Church, but those in our community and abroad with the gospel of Christ. So we can equip more parents uh, to do the good work of discipling their kids in their home. Have a blessed one, and let's get to this conversation. All right, everybody. Well, I have Matt Hawkins here with me, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on our Family Ministry Podcast. Thank you for being here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, your family, what you do, and things you're working on, and just give us a brief introduction. My name is Matt Hawkins. I am married to Crystal Hawkins, um, and that in itself is a story because Crystal, her family is legion here in <laughs> Lebanon and Wilson County. Uh, her maiden name is Lassiter, and so if longtime Fairview folks and longtime Lebanon folks are familiar with the name Lassiter, I married into that great big clan uh, that is that is the <laughs> Lassiter family. Uh, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, my family's mostly from Maryland. Uh, my formative years were in Morgantown, West Virginia, so that's why I'm, you'll occasionally see me wear gold and blue uh, nice. for the West Virginia Mountaineers, although <sighs> it was a bad basketball year. Have you ever been to Nutter Fort? I have been to Nutter Fort. Okay, so yeah. Amber's family is it. actually from Nutter Fort, nice. West Virginia. Nice. So There's it's another West Virginian. West Virginia is a beautiful state. If you've not been, lots of rolling mountains and uh, <laughs> uh, skiing never really took up with me, but I went a couple times. And uh, but we used to vacation even when we lived in D.C. We used to vacation a place called Canaan Valley, okay. which is spelled like the biblical Canaan, but hmm. for some reason in West Virginia we pronounce okay. it. It's West Virginia. Canaan, they right? have all so, sorts of uh, weird <laughs> yeah, we pronounce Lebanon and, here, yeah, right? No, so, it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so I grew up in West Virginia. I moved uh, to Tennessee for the first time. Um, to go to college at Belmont University, and then soon after, uh, met Crystal uh, in uh, Thompson Station Church, so south of Franklin, and uh, that's where she and her family were living at the time, and uh, we got married, um, and after about 10 years of working here, about 14 years in Nashville, Crystal and I had the crazy idea to move up to Washington, D.C., kind of nice. like, like you and Amber, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were there... Um, for a total of eight years, and then moved back here uh, to Wilson County about three years ago, so 2018. Um, my my career mostly has been, uh, for 17 years, it was with the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is basically just a lot of words to describe um, an organization that basically helped churches um, and pastors uh, navigate moral, ethical, and, and public policy issues. And so uh, for about the first 10 years, I did that mostly for broadcasting, um, and then got the policy bug and spent eight years in Washington doing that. Um, and more recently, uh, we decided Washington had have it, had enough of our presence, or at least or maybe <laughs> we had enough of Washington, um, and moved back here. And um, I'm working on a PhD through Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, and 
can't right. leave out uh, were the proud parents of Maggie Jo, who is a kindergartner. Absolutely. And uh, you are an avid podcaster you love to listen to and record podcasts. Is that correct? That is true. I'm an avid listener of podcasts. Um, sometimes I have to tap out and just listen to music for a couple of weeks <laughs> because I, I, have, I hear too much talking. Um, but yeah, I'm big into uh, listening to audiobooks and podcasts. And yeah, I host my own podcast. It's been on hiatus um, for the last several months, um, mostly due to um, the part of my story is I'm recovering. <laughs> I recovered from a uh, heart surgery last last year. Yeah. Um, and uh, so our podcast has been a little on hiatus, but sure. the, the thrust of it is that I and a Muslim friend of mine talk about faith and politics, uh, religion and politics. And uh, so we have a fun time. Uh, my friend is John, and he lives in upstate New York now, but it's someone who I met in D.C. and developed a friendship with. And so we uh, jump jump in with uh, with both feet uh, on, on potential potentially controversial stuff and help people navigate that. Well, very, very cool. Well, I think thanks again for being here. So uh, Matt and I met for lunch to kind of talk about uh, kind of what we're going to kind of share and kind of chat through. And and uh, there's a lot of different things from all over. Uh, so just uh, strap on your seatbelts to your ears and uh, let's get get rolling. Um, one of the things that I told Matt was that I just want us to think through, given his background, just helpful tips to parents um, as they're raising their kids because we live in a climate that – seems pretty aggressive mm-hmm. in whatever stance you want to hold on a variety of issues. They're passionate about it. Yeah. There seems to not be a whole lot of wiggle room if you disagree with me. <laughs> um, right. And that's something that our kids and our teenagers that they are living through. And that's kind of what they are, uh, you know, the culture that they're in. And so I want us to just kind of think through kind of what are ways that we can equip parents to have conversations in our culture about maybe some hot topic topic issues and uh, really how can we help our kids think critically about um, the world that they're going to face ahead when it comes to um, culture and beliefs and those sorts of things. And so we're going to let uh, just this conversation guide our time. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, what you have to say. Thanks, John, for bringing me on the podcast to talk about the controversial stuff. I really I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody gets upset, you can uh, go to Matt. And he will. Um, well, first of all, I, I, you know, just to be considered uh, to chat about parenting here um, is really humbling to me. I have, you know, Crystal and I are the ch- parents of one child, Maggie Jo, uh, and so naturally there are tons of parents at, here at Fairview who have a wealth of experience and far more knowledge about uh, parenting um, than we do. But uh, the best I can do here is kind of uh, uh, give some some thoughts and, and some ideas for um, how to parent on things within my orbit, uh, sure. things within my expertise, which have to do with culture uh, and religion and politics and uh, and and kind of thinking about governing in, in the, this great nation that we live in. What would be maybe like a first point of kind of uh, principle? Uh, let's just say a, a parent doesn't know where to begin. Yeah. They have kids growing up. They're hearing things at school. Um, and they don't really know where to even jump off the diving board to yeah. begin to have conversations with their kids. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, on any of these questions, I always want to make sure I go 
first back to scripture and what do we think about scripture and do we really think it's sufficient for all of life, right? Um, and that ought to be our foundation for just about any topic we're addressing, right? And so for for parenting, for um, thinking about how we, we're going to cope <laughs> as parenting, maybe that's a good word, with our children uh, going out into the world, um, whether that's school or sports or movies or social media, um, what's our disposition like and are we basing that on scripture um and i think a a couple things that are helpful to think about are god's given us scripture um we understand it's sufficient for all of life even if it doesn't give us the particulars right of every Mm -hmm. every particular instance um and then that ought to give us confidence right that um uh as long as we're praying um, through things um, and trusting God and, and the Holy Spirit to lead us into how we engage our kids on these kinds of issues. Uh, it's not going to give us all the answers instantaneously, or very tactically, um, but it ought to set our disposition and our attitude as parents. And I think it's a big deal. Um, there's, a, I think it was Jennifer Wilkin, who's an author and speaker who talks about parenting. And this one anecdote always kind of stuck with me is that like, she said, never be afraid. Um, never be afraid of what your kid's going to bring home uh, in their mind and their little questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was pretty helpful. Um, and her point is kind of like, look, we're grownups. Like, there's nothing our kids are going to hear that we haven't heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll hear it a little differently. Maybe some words are a little different. Maybe sure. maybe their exposure to um, graphic content, shall we say, is a little uh, earlier or um, graphic language um, might be earlier. Uh, particularly uh, in public schools and 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 sporting fields, um, but don't like we need to not be fearful, right? We know all this stuff, um, and uh, that helps set her disposition so that when her child comes home and says, "Hey, mommy, I learned the S word," <laughs> right? She doesn't freak out immediately, um, and she has set like a tone where her kids are comfortable asking her questions and talking about those things. So they're not fearful to bring stuff to her and ask her questions. And so when she asks, well, honey, what is that S word? The child says, stupid, <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's kind of like, ah, right? Because sure, she reiterates uh, these kinds of things with different kinds of words, like four letter words and sure. all this kind of stuff. And so, but I think that's a helpful uh, example of like, just be prepared, like, and don't be fearful of it um, because I think fear and kind of like not knowing the right thing, um, sometimes we let that communicate more uh, to a kid um, than is necessary for us. And it's also can be harmful because if you do that a bunch of the long term, I think it's uh, we get ourselves into a pickle if we if our children don't feel like they can come talk to us and ask questions. Right. Then it's a whole different problem because then they're hearing things um, in the culture, in school or whatever, um, and they're not coming to you to talk about it. Right. So we we risk in our reaction um, setting a tone where they don't want to come talk to us for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of where I first. Uh, set. Yeah, I love what you you mentioned there about you know not being afraid. We, we do have all the resources that we we need to kind of address certain things. Um, as you're talking about that, I was thinking through just our own my own children and how we try to. I don't do it perfectly, and it needs to be more regular in our household. But we try to communicate when something happens. We know that you're learning. Right. When we don't know something as a parent, we say, hey, we're learning, too. Right. And it's this idea of like open communication, but you're learning. So if they, you know, learn something that maybe we don't want them to, to learn, uh, maybe it's a word or 
uh, a topic and we think that might be too early. Well, they're learning us wherever they go in the culture. And as parents, you know, we need to be able to say, okay, they're learning. Well, they need to be helped to be directed in that, right? right? In that learning. And it's not just telling them what to believe, like saying, okay, you know, here's what we believe and what we don't believe, but we need to help them learn how to um, develop, how to critically think uh, for themselves. Because one day I'm not going to be here for my kids and they're going to need to know how to process through all these different things. So how would you say, like, how do you help kids process through and think through these issues instead of just telling them like this is what we believe and not believe yeah how do we help them help them to critically think yeah well and i think um one of the things that we pick up from church history from the early days you could even go into the old testament is that the people of god were kind of always reacting to cult, new things in the culture, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of st- whole lot of content uh, and ink spilt in the New Testament with uh, Paul and Peter trying to instruct um, the very very young church mm-hmm. uh, about how to navigate the culture around them. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of those Christians, had come out of a very paganized culture, right? Um, and so, uh, or I think there's ho- on the one hand, it's like goodness, like we're always kind of reacting, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, on the other hand, it's like we have you know a couple millennia now of uh, people in the Christian church who have been uh, thoughtfully navigating, looking at scripture, seeing how we can apply principles to the current um, current challenges and and those kinds of things. Uh, and I think you're right. I think your, your point to say, look, some of the stuff we're still working out. Like, be candid with your kids. Um, I think uh, one of the, I mean, this goes on to cultural engagement issues, but I think it's also uh, just in disciplinary issues. And being willing to admit to our children when we screw up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I discipline my child out of anger uh, to apologize for that after the fact, because guess what? At a certain age, your kids are going to realize you're imperfect. We are imperfect parents, right? Sure. Um, and so we, we're, we're not going to keep a lid on that can for very long, right? Kids are going to recognize when we're in error. Um, and so I think a, a better course of action uh, is is to own it. And, and I think over time, like when you're, I think that's a genuine position to be like, gosh, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how to do this, but let's look at let's look at this together. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe look at, find out what scripture would be most applicable. Um, ask Pastor John or mm-hmm. Pastor Brant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on uh, some resources of people who are thoughtfully engaging these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of disposition of kind of a, a you know, intellectual humility, um, like you don't have to know all this stuff. Like the, I mean, the d- issues that were that the earlier church we're dealing with um, in the first century, um, a lot of that's very different from the issues we deal with, but often uh, they kind of trace back to the same kinds of um, sure. um, either issues that have to do with uh, rejection of Jesus um, as Savior, rejection of God in general, rejection of God's authority, rejection of Scripture. Um, but you know, there's no there's no uh, there's no text in Scripture that gives us an example about how. How to how to specifically engage uh, some a lot of the contemporary bioethical questions mm-hmm. like cloning and uh, you know <laughs> those kinds sure. of things is like that would be like unheard of to sure. the early church um, and yet um, there are principles from scripture that we can use to try to figure out how to navigate that yeah I think that's a really important distinction to first go to scripture and say what are the principles that I can apply here yeah. uh, something that we talked about at lunch was 
uh, kind of like the what would Jesus do, yeah. you know, type of a deal. Like, what would Jesus think? You were mentioning that yeah. um, over mm-hmm. lunch of, um, you know, we, we want to see what Scripture has to say, um, and Scripture gives us a clear understanding of what, and, you know, what Jesus was like, who he was like, the principles that he embodied and he taught. So we asked the question, you know, how did this, how does uh, my reaction or how does this thinking funnel through the filter of Jesus? Right. Yeah. Um, and so if you would just kind of talk a little bit about um, the love your neighbor as yourself yeah. piece that we talked about <laughs> um, over lunch. I think that's pretty fitting here. I want to interject something sure. that you talked about from our lunchtime uh, conversation was that uh, it was a this was a more practical example of doing this that I that I picked up from my dad. So no doubt my parents will listen to this podcast at some <laughs> point. Uh, so I'm thinking about you guys here. Hi, Mom. Um, hi, Dad. Hi, hi Mom. Hi, Dad. <laughs> um, Andy and Gene Hawkins, and uh, they're now in Fort Myers, Florida. Um <laughs> Uh, and it, it, dad will get a chuckle out of this because I, um, I, I like, I just did not look forward to these con- particular conversations, but say if we had gone to a movie, um, and we're not talking about like R rated movies or anything, we're in a PG, PG 13, mm-hmm. like appropriate for adolescent teenager, um, movies. Um, and on the way home, um, and I, I feel like this was a pattern. My dad might recall and think he maybe did this two or three times. I don't know. Um, but it stuck with me that, uh, he would frequently, um, on the way home say, you know, what do you think about whatever in that movie? How do you, how do you think Jesus would process, uh, what you saw in this movie? And to, you know, it'd be something that was obviously or, um, or, you know, suspect in relation to scripture and what we know for truth. And, um, I, you know, did not look forward to those conversations. It was awkward, but he was just trying to get me, he was asking questions. He wasn't saying like, we're never going to go to that movie again or like, you know, that kind of thing. He was, he was getting me to engage critically and say, what do you think the Bible would, Mm -hmm. how, how do you think the Bible would shed light on issue X, Y, or Z, right? Um, so it's, it was, a, it was a, an engagement of culture. It wasn't ceding ground to culture, but it was taking scripture and saying, um, knowing what you know about Jesus, basically, mm-hmm. how do you think he would uh, respond to that section? I think that was really helpful over time. Again, wasn't crazy about it in the moment because uh, it was sometimes awkward, but I really appreciate it yeah, uh, that, over time. But that's like a lot more difficult than just telling what our kids to believe, right, <laughs> you right, know, yeah. um, it's a lot easier just to say, you know, here's, here's what we believe and not believe. I think it, we have to recognize as parents because our kids are learning and God has called us to be the disciple makers of our kids. That means we are the teachers. Yeah. Um, and that is hard work and yeah. it's uncomfortable conversations and getting our kids to think, um, you know, one outside of their own wants and own desires, but to kind of broaden their expanse of knowledge and yeah. how to critically think. That's a really tough thing to do. Um, and it does start by just asking questions. And it's as simple as, what did you think about this? Yeah. You know, what does the Bible say about this? Or how do you think Jesus would interact with this? Like, that's, it's, it's kind of simple. Just yeah. ask some questions to help them think yeah. through it. But at the same time, it, it can be can yeah. be difficult. And, it, and again, I think, you know, coming back to our, our having confidence in Scripture, like, don't freak out about their answer if you're not satisfied with it, right? Sure. It just it may fill it, it might identify a gap, right, in their spiritual, intellectual education that you want to fill, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think it's uh, it'd be easy to kind of jump in, kind of in a disciplinary way if you hear sure. something like, "Oh my goodness," <laughs> right? Um, but I think it's 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 number one, it gets them to engage uh, critically and gets their minds working in a way that says, "Oh, 
I can I can think about scripture and apply it here, right? Scripture is my basis for my reaction to mm-hmm. cultural experience X, Y, or Z, right? And at the same time, it gives us um, as parents opportunities to be like, okay, I need to maybe I need to shore up, uh, maybe I need to ask John for a resource on something, sure. right? Um, maybe I, you know, maybe there's a, another media that we need to engage to uh, help kind of shore up uh, what my child understands about that, right? Um, you ha- your question that I pitched that you pitched and then I diverted sure. was oh the one another's yeah one another's um, <clears throat> so I think I got into this uh, because we were talking about public policy related stuff you know politics and uh, the contemporary issue and um, of course that it's kind of in my wheelhouse it's, I'm kind of nerd about it right so you can have to you know <laughs> I could easily wax on too too long on this subject and you have to cut it, cut all this stuff out of the podcast just for time um, but having worked in Washington DC representing um, Baptist churches in the public square um, we've thought a lot about um, how Christians engage the environment and uh, navigate these kinds of things and as you look at scripture and um, think about scripture that is um, tailored, Right to self-governance. Um, I think there's a one thing we often don't think about talking about is the fact that all of Scripture um, we've been given all God all God believes is sufficient for us to navigate life in mm-hmm. all areas of life. Um, all Scripture is given in the context of kingdoms and kings and emperors and empires, right? Uh, We don't have scriptural text um, with a New Testament style church, like what we would call a New Testament church, in the context of self-government, right? Um, Even Paul's status as a Roman citizen uh, gives him certain legal rights, but he wasn't exactly like a participant uh, citizen in the way that we are, in mm-hmm. that we're electing officials and we're actually often voting on um, on public po- like particular policies, sure. right? The Roman citizens didn't have that kind of um, citizen clout, um, even though it's a similar you know similar word in the New Testament. Um, and so we have to be, um, I think, really thoughtful when we um, go from scripture to current public policy issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Um, there's a theologian named Jonathan Lehman who talks about uh, straight line versus zagged, zagged line. Is that the word he uses? Straight line issues versus zigzag issues, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that um, there are some uh, moral and ethical issues from Scripture that we can do, quote, a straight line, right, to contemporary sure. public policy. Murder, for one. Right? Yeah. Uh, we, would, <clears throat> we would probably uh, include abortion in that, right? Um, there are other issues who... Um, that where scripture can undergird the principles, but it's a little more of a zagged line um, from Bible to practice and public policy, sure. meaning um, there's some, you have to kind of do some other uh, philosophical, you know, inroads um, to get from um, in New Testament scripture to mm-hmm. uh, contemporary American politics, right? Um, so rec- recognizing that that uh, is a thing, right? And then recognizing that's a, a, a contextualization that we have to do, but then going back a little further into scripture and saying, okay, what are our big obligations as believers? Um, Jesus, particularly as it regard, particularly as it is in respect to um, the people around us, people in our church and our neighbors who might not be churched, um, and. Jesus said the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor, right? The first commandment is love your God, right? 
but he doesn't give let us get away with just love your God, right? It seems to be in that passage. You can correct me if this is heresy, Pastor John, but okay. it seems to be uh, that the first and second greatest commandments are kind of two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, they ask him what the greatest commandment is. He says, love your God, right? Um, and then he says, and the second one is like it, right? So he voluntarily says, right, reminds them that there's a there's a second commandment, right, or a second greatest commandment, and sure. it's love your neighbor, right, um, as yourself. Um, and there's no escape clause, right? There's noticeably no escape clause for when we ought to love neighbor and when we ought not to love neighbor, right? Um, I think we ought to carry that with us. Um, and then what you mentioned, I think this is very similar. We have like. I think when I when I saw a count of them, there are 35 one another commandments in the mm-hmm. New Testament. Um, we're always being told to love one another, uh, bear with one another, uh, among many, many, many others. Um, and that those instructions tend to be about uh, how we engage with others in our church, how we engage with other Christians. Um, we we might argue that it's particularly incumbent that we obey these within, say, Fairview, within a particular mm-hmm. local body of church where we know each other um, and have covenanted together to participate in a local church body, right? Um, there, too, like, there's no escape clause because politics, right? Um, we still have an obligation to... F- follow through with all the love, all the one another commandments. Um, and even if, um, say a particular, let's say, for example, a, a particular political uh, issue uh, or position uh, might even be diagnosed so far as to say it's uh, biblical heresy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or contrary to explicit biblical teachings, even there, right, we have protocol for how we engage one another within the body, right, and, and how we um, talk to one another. Um, and I think those kinds of commands, <laughs> love, love, love of neighbor and all the one another commandments, um, we ought to really take with us uh, into the public square, mm-hmm. um, and that includes on issues of politics. Um, we go, go on from there, but I think those are pretty fundamental things that there's no text in Scripture that I can find that says, except when talking politics, yeah. <laughs> right? you could forget these other commandments. Yeah, and I think you, you point out a, a pretty kind of important theme there that you, know, you have your conviction, you have what you believe, sure. right? There's obviously going to be things in culture that we say, yeah, these are biblical, these are not biblical. But the way that we present ourselves to others and treat others in that dialogue is yeah. to love our neighbor as ourself. Yeah. Um, and not only are we communicating things about Jesus when we do that, but that's what he's called us to do is to love our neighbor, even if they disagree with us. And, right. and I think one of the greatest things that we can give our own children is a, a basis or understanding that you are not going to agree with every single person that you interact with in throughout the rest of your life. Like it's just not going right. to happen. Yeah. And yet, you treat one another with love and with kindness. The way that we interact with others, uh, if we are mean-spirited, if we are angry, if we are accusatory, um, you know, in the sense of uh, being mean or, I don't know, aggressive, yeah. you know, I, I think that's not the way of Christ and the way that we, we yeah. deal with other people. Yeah, if, if we have not love, which I think having love... Uh, I don't think uh, Jesus would let us off the hook for like saying we're loving without acting like we're loving. Uh, and if we're, was it Paul? Is like if if we have not love, I am like a clanging gong mm-hmm. or a symbol, right? Which is not 
a pleasant <laughs> a pleasant sure. sound like that's that's communicating an unpleasant sound um, and not something that would like adorn uh, the gospel of Christ uh, no offense to 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 our fine drummer Justin who uh, plays the cymbals <laughs> but when used in application in sure. particular way it's beautiful sure. it's great um, but a clanging gong or a cymbal sure. it's out of context right uh, it's not a good sound yeah and I think you know for us as we think through this um, you know I recognize that people are passionate about what they believe um, in certain areas of their life, you know, particularly since we're talking about politics right now, like people get uber passionate about uh, politics and, you know, that's okay that mm-hmm. they get passionate. They should have their convictions and, you know, ultimately those convictions, as we had mentioned before, should be rooted in scripture. Uh, but I do think it doesn't give a, as you said, does not give us an excuse to be mean spirited towards one right. another um, yeah. because it, you know, devoids that, that principle there. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think it, it, it's problematic in principle, uh, right, based on our commitment and obligation to Scripture and, and what Jesus would have us do. But it's also, um, on, in the long term, pretty impractical, right, because you're not winning people to your to your cause. Uh, and so there's a there's a practical element, too, to be like, uh, look, this is a, a, a nation that is uh, built on a particular model of self-governance. It's a big 200-year experiment, right, uh, that a lot of us get a little, little pretty ex- myself included, pretty excited about regardless of what you think about American politics in the particular moment or what the party allegiance is like uh, party politics and and citizens who don't who believe at least a little bit differently than we do they're not going away uh, it's a 300 over 300 million mm-hmm. population country um, you know uh, a lot of the divides are, tend to be from you know red, whether we're talking red state or blue state or um, you know, rural versus suburban versus metropolitan. However, sure. we want to talk about our our kind of the patterns of disagreement between those kinds of things. Um, like the the people who are experiencing life in the United States differently than we do um, and believe things differently, like they're not going away. Um, even here in Wilson County, um, was that I, I think our friend uh, Daryl Crouch pointed out. I think from. North American Mission Board's data, own data mm-hmm. on Wilson County, something like upwards of like 80% of Wilson County is unchurched. Um, and this is a stone's throw from Nashville and an area that uh, was once referred to as the Bible Belt. Sure, um, yeah. And like 80% of our neighbors, <laughs> maybe, um, are unchurched. If it's half wrong, if that number's yeah. half wrong, forty percent of your neighbors are unchurched, right? Uh, and we have to take that into context. Yeah, and I think too, you know, uh, I don't know what it. There's some sort of like phrase or to describe this, but it's like you don't want to be speaking into a vacuum, right? You know, yeah, so sure. having dialogue with people that are different than us keep not only keeps you sharp on what you believe, but it also challenges you right. to, and maybe you may end up changing your opinion on a certain area, right. or you may have to look into something deeper and you become maybe a little bit more convicted in your particular stance. But I think, you know, having people that we dialogue with and just remembering like, you know, we're, this is all about equipping, you know, our kids to be able to live through life. And uh, there's a book called Resilient Disciples that came out like last year, and it talks about the church in 2050, and and it kind of projects what it might Mm -hmm. be like to be a Christian in the United States in 2050. And they're talking about how we need, they need to be resilient. So they need to know how to, uh, they need to know God's word and what it says, but they need to know how to speak what they believe but a big part of it is they need to know how to interact with others. Yeah. And 
do that, you know, hopefully in a winsome way. Right. Um, because uh, the, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, God has called all of us to, you know, fulfill the great commission of of sharing the gospel. And that I've never met somebody who, you know, came to know Christ with somebody just yelling at them right. and being mean to them. <laughs> right. uh, I'm sure there's somebody out there, maybe. But, like, the most of the time, it's through love and charity and generosity yeah. that people come to know Christ. And even when people disagree fundamentally with each other right. and majority of life, that is the common thing that tends to be that love of neighbor that ends up being the bridge or the gap into gospel conversations. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's important uh, for us. Well, we're almost out of time. So uh, anything else you want to share with us uh, before we finish? Well, one thing that uh, came up as you were thinking in, per- in particular about um, uh, parenting and raising kids in, in a church context, um, one of the things I've, I've been, and again, I'm in seminary courses recently, um, and uh, I'm in my 40s, and there are things that I'm learning from Scripture and about Scripture and about scriptural interpretation that are new to me. Uh, and I've been in the church since I was a wee baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not—it's not that my church did a bad, you know, bad teaching or anything like that. It was orthodox. Um, but I think growing up, by the time we get to our late teens and maybe early twenties, because we've heard all the Bible stories, right, um, from early on and through, uh, you know, through church programming and Sunday school and all that kind of stuff, all those things we we support and, and we do really well here, I think, at Fairview. Um, you can get to adulthood and kind of assume, you kind of make assumptions that we've heard all there is to hear from the Bible. Um, but then you have someone uh, like Brant, uh, who, who at, at the recording of this, the previous couple of weeks have included some really insightful things from the book of John, mm-hmm based on his 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 teasing out what John is doing there as an author. Uh, so there's a there's a insights brought to scripture by understanding more about the literature, all right? And what type of author that John is and the uh, the the audience that he's writing to. Sure. And so uh, Brandt te- you know teases out this is my recent memory example uh, is that there's a reason why the wedding at Canaan is the first miracle. Uh, that that Jesus performed. Uh, it's the first, and it's the first one that uh, John records, right? Because there's a wedding theme, and Christ is a bridegroom, right? And you're going to see that pattern pick up through the rest of John. Um, then more recently, the, like the next chapter, talking about Nicodemus coming to him yeah. at night, right? So John's working with these themes of night and day, and light, lightness and darkness, and and the darkness context uh, tends to include people who are doubting or people who are uh, positioned. Uh, against Jesus, right? Um, that's thankfully, I don't believe that's Nicodemus's long-term arc, but at least <laughs> in that moment, he was, he was hiding from, uh, the rest of the rest of the, uh, the Jewish leadership, sure. uh, and, 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 uh, approaching Jesus, um, in, in darkness. Um, but those kinds of insights, um, I just get blown away frequently. Um, and a lot of these things I haven't picked up until my thirties or forties. Um, when you get a, just a scratch of the surface about, uh, how to interpret scripture and how to read scripture, um, based largely in type of, you know, insights from what the literature is, whether that's poetry from the old Testament, whether that's new Testament letters, um, you know, Luke and, you know, the book of Luke and acts, um, um, those little kinds of insights are just continuing to like fascinate me, uh, with scripture to the extent that we can kind of, 
I don't have a practical example of this necessarily, <laughs> but as kids get older um, and are able to uh, read the Bible, um, which is not which is not always an easy thing, quite frankly. Um, uh, have an appreciation for for scripture in that in that context, and mm-hmm. I think that would be helpful in kind of cultivating a love and interest for scripture. Absolutely, yes. Beautifully said, and I think yeah, it's so important that you know we allow our kids to not only learn scripture, memorize it, but also know how to begin to interpret it. Because um, yeah. at the end of the day. Uh, I really believe that God has given us his word and his scripture for us to read. Right. Um, and we need to teach our kids how to do that so they can define the word themselves and yeah. discern, you know, culture as they look at the word of God. Yeah. And uh, that's the, that's the important thing. Yeah. yeah. And we're, and we're constantly doing that in that small group. Um, 9.30 Sunday mornings, I think it's room A3, there's my little <laughs> plug. Uh, it's the Hawkins group. Um, we're forever saying, okay, we're looking at this context, like maybe the, the curriculum jumped us into a book. We're like, what? what is this book? Let's start out. Like I, some people will get, some people in my class will get annoyed with me because I come back every week. Okay, what is this book about sure. first? What's the, before we get into the narrow passage, the few verses, like what's the point of this book? Like who, who's the author? Who's it writing to? Um, just resetting, what's the cultural context? Like resetting um, kind of the, the the pat, you know, kind of the uh, the table, uh, so to speak, for what we're about to dive into at a little deeper level, right? Um, I think it's really helpful to remind us because if we're if we're just kind of studying scripture, kind of like you indicated, kind of as if it stands alone in a vacuum, um, that can that can lead us down some unfortunate and inaccurate sure. trails. Sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, really appreciate you being here. Thanks, John. Appreciate Alrighty. you having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the Fairview Family Ministry Podcast. If you want to know more about our church, you can visit myfairview.org. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to reach out at jspolino at myfairview.org. Have a blessed one. Thanks. Bye.